Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we talk about all things mental health. Today, I am fortunate enough to have Nicole John Sievers here with us in the studio from Seattle. She is an activist, speaker, author, educator, licensed clinical social worker, producer. She's all sorts of things. She founded the nonprofit Stand for Courage, which is a bullying prevention program. Stand for Courage is student-led, school-based, and community activations offer one ultimate goal, to disrupt and end the cycle of bullying by celebrating the stand-up bystanders with the support of media recognition and luminary partners. The, the school pilot program was recognized as an American Psychological Association visionary. It won an award for that. Yes. Correct? Yes. She also has a book, It's Your Mind, Own It, which offers neuroscience-based information and exercises for teens. I love this book. And this also won an award, an Indie Excellence Book of the Year Award in Psychology. She has a forthcoming book, The One and Only You. And she also has an Indie Flicks documentary coming up called The Upstanders. And we are going to talk about that today. We, I am so excited to have you here. Nicole lives in Seattle with her husband, Eric, and their five sons. And I want to talk about all things bullying with you today. Okay. Thanks for coming. Yeah, you're welcome. And I actually just moved. I do not live in Seattle Where anymore. Where did you move to? It breaks my heart, and it's an exciting adventure at the same moment. Where so. do, you, or do you want to say where you live? Sure. I moved to La Jolla, so just outside of San Diego by Ooh. the ocean, which my dog is most excited about. She runs on the beach every day, so... She's a happy German Shepherd. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump in and let's talk about how did you, what was your, let's start with first, it's your, it's your mind, own it. Yes. How did you, what was the inspiration for this? How did you get started? Um, and how does that lead you to where you are now? Okay. So for many years, I worked with youth and the different systems serving them because we know that, um, so many uh, behavioral challenges and behavioral strengths come uh, not, they don't arrive with who shows up in the world. It has so much to do with the support that's given or not given. So those structures and the systematizing, especially systematizing positive interactions and systematizing positive things are so important. And so many, many years working um, as a consultant with schools, uh, working for not many years, but enough time that it made a big impression on me for Outward Bound. Um, Lots of different ways um, in the creative process, uh, working as a teacher with youth. And um, I, at some point, loving my work, realized that I was done. The energy was um, moving for me into a different direction. I felt very summoned to start a bullying prevention foundation. And um, I wanted to make sure that the information over the years that I had learned from the youth and the families that I worked with um, could be handed out and written in a way that it could be a school curriculum, it could be parents that could work with their, their um, kids, and that it could be worked as a journal, something that people could then look back at, and of course, filled with tools, because we know that we can talk and talk about many things, and that can make us feel better in the moment, but what a gift to have a tool that we can grab, and something that we can shift uh, when we recognize that we're in a behavioral pattern that's not serving us or anybody around us. Yeah, so I want to say that in looking through this, and I looked through it, 
uh, and read some parts of it with my mm -hmm. middle schooler, there's a lot of self-reflection. And so I'll say this isn't just a book you read. This is a book you interact Absolutely. with. You write in it. So it really encourages journaling, which I'm a huge fan of. It includes things. It just teaches kids how to calm down, how to read what's happening within mm -hmm. their own bodies and to just mm -hmm. be reflective on it. So, and it, it tackles all the things we need to depression, anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I can't say enough about this book. And I also want to hear more about Stand for Courage because you've told me a little bit about it. I love the emphasis on the upstanders. Mm -hmm. Please talk about them. Let's we're speaking to mostly parents right now. Okay. So what do they need to know? What's an upstander? What's a bystander? What's working? What does the bullying research actually say? Because this is a real problem. Okay. So I'd like to bump back to the book just for one minute, if mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah. And that is to say that I wrote it with my partner with my business partner at the time, um, a brilliant cognitive therapist named Noreen Gincheski, um, who's also a couples therapist and has written other books. And um, so that was another piece of the process that was very important, was bringing the cognitive piece and helping to understand thinking errors and automatic negative thoughts. When we understand how our brain works, we can normalize things that feel out of control. Mm -hmm. And that's just a really important piece. And when we understand moving to parents, when we understand that what's happening with our adolescents brains is actually really normal and it's going to be what they need for future survival we stop trying to shut it down and we start trying to help them learn how to attach that seatbelt because they're not going to not go on that crazy ride but when they have the seatbelt attached it what keeps them safe and being in connection with us so that they don't feel like they have to hide because they're ashamed of what's happening in their life or what they're thinking about or how their life is unfolding they're able to then stay in connection with us so really I've had many many parents over the years say that it's been exceptionally helpful for them as well with their with their kids but also in their own lives so sorry to jump questions and I'm happy to go back to your other question well now, now of course I have a, now I have one more follow-up yes. question from what okay. you said yes. so what are some of the things that you think are normal that teenagers engage in that us as parents try to change or really concern us and freak us out so that's a really good question. There's a lot of things that scare us as parents. Um, as you mentioned, I have five sons, um, four of whom are young adults now and one who is still 11, just turned 11. And um, boy, the, the risk-taking, I think, the um, doing things that... Um, doing things also motivated by their peers, that incredibly strong instinct to go to their peers first, maybe even before us as parents, and have that be such an influencer on their behavior, to do things because their peers are doing them and engage in things that maybe they wouldn't partake in, but their friends are encouraging, pushing them, and they're saying, well, I don't want to be left out. Um, so, um, so one thing that's really important to remember, a lot of people believe, and we've been told over the years, that the adolescent brain is not set up to understand um, risk. And that actually isn't an accuracy. You've probably talked about this before with your audience, but the adolescent brain experiences thing in a, things in a dialed up way that makes risk a lot more pleasurable. The pleasure centers in the brain are much more um, surging with, uh, with the chemicals, the chemistry of 
pleasure for certain kinds of high-risk behaviors. So the, so the dopamine dumps are pretty high in the adrenaline dumps are pretty high in adolescence. So as an adult, when we're going in a fast car, we measure the risk and it's not that thrilling for some of us. Some people, absolutely. They still have uh, different kinds of chemistry, but most of us, by the time that we leave adolescence, that's dialed down some, but for an adolescent, the feeling of pleasure is so great. So it's a lot harder for them to say no to certain experiences. So part of what we it's important to teach them as parents is absolutely that's going to feel good, but at the end of the day, there might be a consequence, and can you live with that consequence? And that's a piece that I think can really help open their eyes. So it's to normalize it and then to talk about, is this the path forward that's going to bring you to your ultimate goals? I love, I love the words for that. Th that was a golden nugget right there. That's oh, really good. Normalize yeah. that. Okay. We could talk about that all day, but talk okay. to us yeah, about Stand for Courage. Stand for Courage. Um, and Stand for Courage, it was born out of recognizing that um, we have to know what it is that kids are getting out of bullying behaviors to be able to reverse the incentive of whatever is incentivizing that. And that so many of the kids that were showing up to um, and being interested in bullying prevention were not the ones that we needed there. And um, that it was born out of an understanding that 90% of bullying we know, because it's been studied over and over again, 90% of kids who bully do so for one reason, and that is attention from their peers. And that is a belief that somehow within the environment that they're in, that it's considered funny or cool or interesting. And we know that if kids in a group, even if they just are quiet, and even if in their heads they're thinking, this sucks, or I'm, you know, most of us think, I'm glad it's not me, or whatever it is that's going on, mm -hmm. and there's nothing to do with cheering on that bullying behavior, we know that the person who's bullying is getting a rush from it and believing that everybody is colluding with it and in agreement with it because they're not stepping up and saying, that's not funny. So that's being and a that's bystander. Very scary. So that's being a bystander. Mm -hmm. So all of us in our lives are bystanders in all kinds of situations. So the other piece that I'll move to with Stand for Courage, it's also born out of an understanding that we don't need to separate out a bully or somebody being targeted or a bystander because in our life, all of us have been each of those roles. So to identify, oh, this is a group of bullies, or you're a bully, that's shameful. It's call-out culture, and it can be really damaging for kids, and it can actually make their behavior get worse, right? Especially because, as we just talked, adolescents are so driven by what their peers think of them. So 90% of kids bully for one reason, and that's the attention from their peers. And if we know what, what incentivizes that, we can reverse that incentive by bringing and shifting the attention to the kids who step up, to the upstanders, to the kids who are courageous enough. And right now, many of those kids are the ones who are further out on a bell curve. Um, and they're the ones that say, that's not funny. They're the ones in that crystalline moment where a kid's about to be thrown down the stairs. What makes it that that one kid steps up and says, this isn't funny. Come on, we have homework to do. Grabs the kid, just gets them out of there. And that's the upstander. That's the upstander. How do you, how do you, raise an upstander? Brilliant question. Values, purpose-driven, 
helping kids to recognize that they have power, personal power, subtle personal power, big personal power. Personal power is a key to a lot of things in this life. And in situations even beyond bullying, we're really working to help kids be to healthy global citizens, right? That we have personal power. And when you're in a situation, it's not you being targeted. It's really scary to step up and say something. And when you're the kid who's being targeted, it's terrifying to speak up for yourself. When you're the kid who's being a bully, sometimes you don't even know that you're bullying. And that's a weird truth that we've bumped into over and over again. Sometimes kids don't know they're bullying. Sometimes they definitely know. But sometimes they don't even know that it's a bullying behavior. They just think they're being funny and they're being obnoxious. But they don't get the harm that they're causing to, to the brain, not only of them, their own brain. Because, you know, bullying reshapes the brain, which is a fascinating thing to know. Not only the kid who's the bully or the kid who's being targeted, and that's usually the one whose brain is most impacted, but the kid standing by, because we're all animals in our nature, right? We're watching somebody in we're watching something in pursuit and something's about to be eaten, and we're all standing there in, in terror. Right? So it's like trauma. It's trauma. It causes trauma in the hippocampus of a child who's been bullied. It shows uh, damage um, that can be akin, depending on the level of social stress and the level of bullying, it can be akin to physical trauma. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like you need to pause and soak yes, that in. Yes, you do. When you think about we send our kids to school, we make them be in this environment. And if we're not dealing with this, what we're doing is so harmful. And yet most people want to do good. We just don't have the skill sets and the tools. So going back to your really good question, how do you raise an upstander? You talk to your kids about their personal power. You talk to your kids about, have you been in that situation and what was helpful? You have your kids teach you. One of the big things about Stand for Courage is that when we recognize kids that step up for each other, it is a powerful and beautiful moment that we can say to them, help us understand. Where did that courage come from in you? And it doesn't have to be a big heroic act. Sometimes it is. But, and it can be a pre-planned thing, too. Lots of kids who have shown The Breakfast Club or movies at lunch and then have discussion groups or just do simple things to shift the milieu of their schools. So there's two things I want to say right now. Yes. There are two totally different things. I don't want to forget them. One of them is... Um, you mentioned, you know, kids being upstanders, how mm -hmm. hard it is. One of the things that I see that's the biggest challenge mm -hmm. are the adults. Yeah. The adults don't seem to know what to do. Teachers, yes. playground aides. Yes. And so I almost think at least kids are probably slightly more educated, whether they can act on it in the moment or not mm -hmm. can vary. Mm -hmm. I find that the adults are struggling more. So just on that first point, yes. do you find that as well? I do. And that's why it has to be a system-wide expectation, mm -hmm. right? Colorado, you guys are miles ahead of many places. You guys are doing amazing things. In fact, um, when we get to talking about the film, which I know I'm throwing it all in here, we're making a big soup, but um, that um, some of the filming was done here in Colorado where you have Stand for Courage schools that are thriving and you have a wonderful Department of Education here. Um, what is doing a Stand for Courage school? What does that look like? Yes, a Stand for Courage school is a school that's implementing our program. So backing up, 
I wanted to design a program that was built in the community, that, that in, encouraged the community to step up and support youth that were upstanders, and also to be about calling attention to the positive, because we tend to grow mostly when the, when the clouds are parted. And yet human nature is when something negative happens, we feel like we have to punish, we have to separate us from them. And we know that so much of the damage that's happened to all of us is done from feeling disconnected and a lacking of a sense of belonging, right? A sense of belonging can heal most anything. You can talk about it as love. You can talk about it as a lot of things. What it comes down to, I believe, is when we feel a sense of belonging or when we sense of, feel a sense of value in ourselves, we don't mistreat other human beings. Do you think that's at the root cause of, we know why you're saying 90% of bullies bully for attention, yes. but why do they need that attention? Why will they take negative attention? Well, part of that is just being a human being. And a lot of the kids who bully, um, they haven't learned a different way. And if you teach them a different way, and if you teach them, a lot of those kids have really good leadership skills. They just haven't been given a healthy path forward to use those skills, but they naturally are loud. They're in there. They're connected with their peers. They're the ones that are willing to speak out. And if you redirect them, it's amazing what will happen. If you give them information, instead of shaming to say, you really have a lot of skills speaking in front of a group. Hmm. And then you start to redirect them and give them information. You so know, that's how, that, like to teach them that they're part of a team, right? So in a Stand for Courage school, yes. you support the upstanders and you yes. celebrate them. Yes. But you would look at a bully and say, hmm, how can I redirect your behavior in a more positive way? Some schools. but So I can go back and Stanford Courage has a very set curriculum that we offer schools. You can go to our website. And when we first started this, we decided we wanted to offer it for free. Mm -hmm. Schools could go to our site to download it. We want it to be data-driven and all tested. And what's the and website? The website is standforcourage.org. Standforcourage.org. Okay. And um, we want it to be data-driven, student-led. It has to be student voice. Mm -hmm. And um, because remember, there's 10% of those kids and they bully for very different reasons. They have organic things going on. They have issues at home happening that are causing them to be really angry and taking it out on peers. Okay. So, but if you move the 90% of kids over here, then that 10%, you can actually get them some of the resources that they need. Okay. Cause the other 90% are having a party over here now and the schools are shifting. So one thing I'll tell you that I'm really proud of and excited by is that in our study, um, of, um, I believe it was 6,000 youth. We have a paper, an academic article about to come out. So all of this is in there. 69% um, reduction in bullying in the schools that have the Stand for Courage in, program. In, in what them. kind of length, what period of time? Um, and um, in a, it was a one-year study and then a two-year study, and we've done, uh, yeah. Um, it's incredible. It's, it's beautiful. And part of what's beautiful about it is so how it works in a school to talk through the program with you. The school decides that they want to be a Stand for Courage school, and some people do purely Stand for Courage. Some schools say, we're the wildcats, and we want to be the wildcat upstanders. And so we care about fidelity to our program because we know that it really works. And if you follow the steps, we know that it really yields beautiful results. But a lot of the other pieces change it, make it your own, own it. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So the school brings it in and 
kids at the end of the school year say, if I'm having a really hard day, who's a peer I really trust? Who cares about what's going on with me? Right? Mm -hmm. So they put names out there of their friends. You can nominate yourself if you feel like you're somebody that really cares. And there's a Stanford Courage team that's formed. A school administrator, school counselor, teacher gathers those kids. Some schools meet once a week. Some schools meet once a month. It just depends on the school and how they're setting up the structure of it. The students, uh, so, so the self-assembly of the team, and then the students next look at the bullying statistics of their school. All schools have to gather those statistics. They look at the data, and then they also can create models to and uh, test to bring in the data for themselves. One thing that's really important is where in the school does it happen, right? What areas of the school is it happening the most? So they look at the data, and then they talk about incentives. How can we catch kids doing the right thing? How can we catch our peers doing that thing? Because one of the main ideas of Stanford Courage is that it's a positive, it's a positive, I hate to use the word call out culture because there's so much negative with that, but where kids nominate their peers when they catch them standing up for each other so that their other peers or the school can celebrate them in a very subtle way or in a much larger way. And where do you find that? Is there a pattern to where most bullying occurs? There is. There are hallways. There are areas. There are times of the day that most bullying occurs. There are gaps of time that if you uh, talk to the youth and say, where do you not want to be alone in your school? They'll tell you. Mm -hmm. And so that's really helpful information because what's going on during that time and what's happening there. Um, but most importantly, we're trying to focus on the positive and not the negative, right? Mm -hmm. Focusing on the negative, we have to have that data. It's crucial. We're not trying to pretend something's not happening that is. It's crucial to have it. But to bring our attention over, to celebrate, and to focus on what it is that we want to be happening and saying, look, you're using a lot of courage to be the one to step up. That's awesome, right? We've all been in a position of being in a hard place and somebody has stepped up for us and no. How gratitude, how grateful we feel, right? So we want to do a shout out for that. And what happens is it tips the scales. So bullying, one person says something really mean, and then other people pile in, and it sort of tips the scales. It's a, it is, um, it becomes then uh, something that becomes more and more accepted in the milieu. The more people do it, so we're trying to tip the scales in the other direction, right? Yes. So then that. Do you don't have to be such an outlier, then it's less scary to be the one to step up and say, hey, that's not funny. We don't do that here. Right, right. It yeah. creates that culture that's that right. you're talking about. That's right. So tell me about how this became an in-school program to now a soon-to-be documentary or film. Okay. So the, uh, so the documentary, The Upstanders, is a comprehensive documentary from a, a uh, company called IndieFlix, which is a wonderful company. They um, have put out many high-quality tools, really, um, that um, are talking about things that are happening in schools and in, in youth life and in young people's lives today. Um, and um, the... Uh, the CEO of that company, who's also a director of the films and also the an executive producer, and I got together and um, they uh, and, and and brainstormed, and I was invited to be a part of this amazing 
project. And Stand for Courage is a program that's working in the schools. The, the documentary focuses on other programs that are wonderful, and it takes us from hearing students' stories and adult stories of being bullied, what it's like to be in that position, being a bully, making that choice, and then being a bystander who doesn't step up. And it's interesting, many of the adults that I speak with, their biggest regret was that they didn't step up for somebody when they were being picked on. It still haunts people in their 50s and 60s when it happened in junior high school. Right. Right. And that's almost like survivor guilt. You know, it didn't happen to me and I was happy at the moment, but then it felt terrible. Yes. So I have the privilege of being a part of this film and, and having input and Stand for Courage is being, uh, we filmed Stand for Courage schools and interviewed kids and, um, Scott Ross, who's, a um, who he's the educational consultant on the film and he's also uh, lucky you um, in your department of education Um, and he also is a co-founder of Stanford Courage with me and then Therese Clark who's also one of the founding board members of Stanford Courage is also an executive director on the film and um, Sheila Andreen is the uh, executive producer and director and then Leslie Chihuly is another director. So your when is this coming out? When when and what's the vision? Is this kind of like a screenators mm-hmm. kind of thing where it'll be screened? Yes, that's Indieflix, by the way. Oh, it is. Yeah, so it's the same thing, um, and um, so it's another wonderful Indieflix film. Absolutely. And so it's coming out in January, and we're really excited about it. And um, once again, and I invite you all to watch it. Um, leaves people with hope and with really solid tools of how do we manage this and where does it even come from, right? Right. More importantly, why are we doing this to one another? What's happening right now in our culture and in our world that we're treating one another like this and that this pain is in us, right? right? And so instead of just shutting it off and stopping the behavior, it's a comprehensive lift of all of us, all boats rise. Right, exactly. So if anybody who's listening right now is not necessarily familiar with Screenagers, which I would also highly encourage as a school screening, yes. this is something, and you tell me if this is a right way to put it, a school can host it. Exactly. You screen it, and that sometimes is for students and the parents. Yes. And then there's conversation afterwards. There's usually guided, maybe even a forum of people that continue the conversation and talk about what did we learn and maybe how can we implement this into our own school. Exactly. Okay, great. Exactly I cannot wait for that to Thank come you. out. Me too. I can't wait for your Me forthcoming too. book to come out. I love all the Thank things you're you. doing. Yeah. Thank you for your good work. And I think that people have probably, their minds are full, filled right now with with just great ideas. So thank you for the work you do and for being here. Yeah, thank you for letting me jump around. I'm excited about so many things. So great. Wonderful. Thanks for being on. You're Nicole welcome. John <laughs> thank you for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. Bye. bye. bye.